Welcome back to another episode of Questions with Crocker and My Husband, where we go behind the scenes in vet medicine while answering your questions. So I am really excited about this episode today. We are going to talk about the five things we wish we would have known before vet school. Shane was not a vet student, but you were very supportive and definitely a part of vet school. So we will get into it after we do a little bit of housekeeping. Thank the people that left reviews. We got some reviews. We have had some reviews. So if you have... Your sister. (laughs) If you have gotten value out of this podcast or if you're just enjoying yourself, we definitely want it to be educational and entertaining. You can like, share it on social media. You can go and leave a review because that is the biggest way to help this podcast succeed and reach more people. So we do appreciate and big shout out to family and friends that have left (laughs) reviews so far. (laughs) So in general, in vet medicine, uh, there's a lot going on right now. We have a big conference coming up in Denver in July, which I will be at. And right before the AVMA convention, I am actually going to be at the Hills New Grad Symposium, and we'll be teaching a little bit about networking and social media. So I'm excited about that. Do I know a little bit about networking and social media? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> if you want to follow me personally on social media, it's at doctor.tanasio.crocker. And we talk a lot about a lot of things on social media. We share cases. Uh, we talk about what's going on in the vet industry. Sometimes there's a little bit of tea spilled, a little bit of controversy, but it's a way to stay a little more up to date. And then you can submit your questions that way to the podcast for Shane and I to answer. Now, we today are going to do a this or that episode. And that means a this or that segment. And that means that we're going to ask Shane this or that. Are you ready? I think so. (laughs) Okay. If you were a veterinarian, would you rather be an equine veterinarian or a small animal emergency veterinarian? I love hypotheticals. (laughs) They really fit my wheelhouse. Um, I would say small animal emergency. Why? Um, inside, I like to be outside if I'm playing golf, True, but I don't want to work outside a whole lot. True. I think that's my upbringing, a lot of hot summers and cold winters. So I'd probably pick, and I think ER might be a little bit more exciting and go faster. It's very exciting. You make a little more money too. That's always a plus. That's something that is important to you. (laughs) You're always hustling and making money. Always hustling, yes. Yeah. I definitely agree. I think uh, the time we were dating and I was working at the Four Sixes Ranch Mm -hmm. and you came out and I was on full watch Mm -hmm. and you actually had to like stick your hands and arms inside a horse. I was, let's be very graphic here. I was shoulder deep in a horse vagina. (sighs) Shoulder deep. I don't think I had a glove on. You didn't. You didn't. It was an emergency situation. Like, I needed your help, Stad. And you did it. You jumped you in. You could at least said, hey, let's put on one of those big gloves that you buckle up to your <laughs> you can't, collar. You can't grab them. You can't grab the feet. Well, anyways, we saved that baby. And let's let's be honest. It was disgusting. There was stuff all over the place. But when I looked at you, there was a tear in your eye. I, I have tears in my eye all the time. No, nope, I might have a tear in my eye right now. <laughs> This there is, is a little tear. So you understand the magic of what we do as veterinarians. Yes, I understand that. And saving lives and helping pets and uh, their owners. That's something that's very important to us. So I actually think you would do good other than you don't like to get your hands dirty. The, honestly, and this is probably another segment, but the time you cut the tongue and that uh, stuff dribbled down my back, yeah. that might have been worse. The abscess. I can still smell that. And we're still married 16 years later. That so was that's close. great. That was a close call. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of people on the phone right now like, Ugh. Yeah. Me. <laughs> I'm about a tear in my eye. 
Okay, so before we had all those wonderful experiences together, mm-hmm. we were in vet school as a married couple. Yes. Got married between first and second year. And there's a couple things that we wish we had maybe known a little bit more about before we went into vet school. So number one is I wish I had understood how much vet school debt can really be. Yes. That is a huge burden for a lot of students. A lot of but, young but veterans. But would, would it have changed your mind of going to vet school? Absolutely not. Just kind of being aware would have been helpful. I mean, I think most industries, if you tell somebody, hey, you're going to go to school all these years, you're going to fight to get a spot, you're going to fight while you're in school. And then when you get out, uh, you're going to have about two hundred to $300,000 in debt and maybe get paid $100,000 at your first job. Or if you go into large animal, well, mixed I, animal, less, most people would say absolutely not. I think that baseline's doing. moving up, though. I mean, I, I think if you look at the industry as a whole, I think the compensation for veterinarians is starting to increase. Maybe not to the level of debt that they've been taking on, but I think that that needle is starting to move. The debt to income ratio is still dramatically off, especially compared compared to other higher level uh, educations. But I think it's important to know because what I see is a disconnect between generations. So, you know, one of my previous bosses had $600 in debt when he got out of school, and another one had $6,000. Huge discrepancy. And that really affects what you were able to do as a young veterinarian uh, financially and then with your career, because you might feel like you have to sign on to somewhere that maybe is not your dream job because you have such a large debt load. So I, I think that's something that we have to recognize as veterinarians, and especially if we're, I guess, millennials, uh, that the younger generation- I'm not millennial. I'm Gen X. You're a Gen Y. What, what am I? You're an older millennial. No. 100%. What's the cool one? I think I'm Gen X. Isn't Gen X the cool one? <laughs> I don't know what the Pretty cool sure one is. I need well, to research that. We'll look that up. I will say we need to make sure. I need to be like a research analyst. Maybe <laughs> you can do that for Izzy. Like <laughs> I can give her facts and let her Google it. All right. So that's number one. And I think it's something we all need to keep talking about and we need to keep addressing in this industry. Number two, and this is one that applies specifically to me is grades don't actually matter that much in vet school. What was that face? Well, I mean, if you would have studied a little bit more, grades potentially could have been a little bit better. I actually ended up with like a mid-B average, and I think that that's pretty good in vet school. How many jobs have you received where they checked your grades? Never. And that's what I think is important. Students Unless you're going into an internship and like academia or something where it's really competitive at the next level, if you are just graduating with your vet degree and you're going to go into small animal general practice or equine practice, literally no one is going to look at your grades. I've never looked at the grades on any young vet's resume. I care a lot more about the communication, about your work ethic, about how you you know, are with a team and your grades don't matter. And you know who really doesn't care is your clients. Mm, good point. They will never ask you. I'm going to start asking that question. You're not. <laughs> There's like young vets that are like sweating. But no one will ever ask you, what are your grades? What did you make on the NAVLI, the national test? That's something else that's really stressful. NAVLI? The NAVLI. I knew that. The North America Veterinary Licensing something, I think. Exam. Got to look that up too. Man, we are spewing facts right now. <laughs> Killing it. (laughs) But I do think that's an important takeaway for vet students. If you're stressed right now, if you're worried about that B versus that C, unless you're applying for an internship, don't stress about it. Honestly, don't. I don't think it's worth it. All right. Number three. And this is one that might have affected our relationship, but 
Number three is there's actually international AVMA accredited vet schools. Yes. So we recently took a trip. I think you just recently learned that. Yes. We took a trip as a family. I was speaking overseas in the UK and we went to uh, the Royal Veterinary College. We went to University of Edinburgh and Bristol. And one, it was gorgeous. Yes. Two, they all had pubs on campus. Yes. And three, everyone was a delight. And I really think if we hadn't been dating and I had known or even – Though we were dating. I mean, you could have brought me. <laughs> I guess I could have brought you. Uh, but I think if I had known this, I would have applied for international schools. I think it would have been very cool to spend some time overseas doing that. But it, can you practice medicine in the States? So you can. That's a great question because they're ABMA accredited schools. So as long as you take the NAVLE and you graduate from there, you can come back and practice. But is it like the island schools where you're there for a certain amount of time and then have to spend time at like A&M? No, most of them do all the training there and you don't do your clinical year here in the States. The other thing is it is dramatically cheaper, hmm. dramatically versus the States. Now, a majority of the time that's because they want you to stay and work there, right? And so there's a question about going and getting a cheaper education and coming back. But I also think just in general, you know, experiencing a different place to live, a different culture, a different uh, way of practicing is really cool and really As different. a veterinary practice owner now – would you hire somebody that got their education overseas? A hundred percent. Some of those schools have really great rankings. And I met a lot of the students from there and they were a delight. They were great. I feel like I'm in control right now. I'm asking very good questions. You are. You are. I'm very proud of you. And you're not getting fired in this episode for sure. Dang it. I'm still the boss. <laughs> All right. So number four is it is important to know when to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I'm great at this. <laughs> I'm horrible at asking this. for help or yes, drowning and then asking for help. Maybe I was thinking more like demanding help. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Different, different thoughts different thought there. <laughs> so I do think that I, I'm a decision maker. Yeah. Like I don't need a lot of help when it comes to making decisions. Sometimes maybe I should ask for more input. One I of those. So. I think you process data pretty quick and don't need a lot of data to make a decision. I also think I'm not really, scared to fail or to make the wrong decision because I always know there's another path if something doesn't work out. Hence, all of a sudden deciding to do a podcast and (laughs) it might not work out. I can't wait to see this train wreck. I know. I know. We'll see. So in general, uh, one of the things is I do think it's important to ask for help when it comes to the business side of veterinary medicine. Uh, everything you can soak up into vet school about business, joining BBMA, being a part of that training, really, really important because it's not something that's emphasized in class. And as you and I know now, owning a hospital, it's something I am severely lacking in uh, being so far out from school. The other one is networking and trying to figure out your path in vet med. So I think identifying mentors that do the things you really like to do or you're interested in, connecting them with them in school or at conferences uh, is really helpful. I had Dr. Cohen, if you mm-hmm. remember him in yeah. school. And he was instrumental in me finding the equine internship that worked for me and you as my partner. Uh, And I had a great experience as an equine intern. So I think really connecting with people, really asking for direction is important. And then also on the mental health aspect of it. And schools have gotten much better about supporting students on that side of things. But you have to know what your resources are and, and ask for help when needed. And I think also for couples. So I have a lot of students that tell me, you know, I'm having a hard time. My partner doesn't understand why I work so much, uh, why I have to be at school so much, 
why I have to study so much. They don't feel like a priority. And I will tell them that they should get counseling while they're in school or they need to start figuring it out because you and I both know it doesn't get easier after graduation. Agreed. On the business side of things, can't you get like a uh, MBA as well while you're in vet school? You can. You can. So another great question, by the way. So I'm going to keep tallying these great questions. <laughs> get, points get points so you don't get fired. Uh, so there's actually a couple of programs that are joint DBM MBA programs. Most of them, the one I'm most familiar with, uh, you do two years and then you do an MBA for a year and then you go back and do two more years. How many people actually do that? I only think they accept a few because it's a certain personality that does that. And then also that means you switch classes in vet school, which Mm. is not desirable to some people because you get to know your class really well. You get to be really close. Like we still hang out with people from my class. And so, you know, taking a year to go join a completely different program and then coming back uh, is not always something that people want. But I think an MBA can be really beneficial in this industry, especially if you have aspirations to own practices and to grow overall as a veterinarian. Yeah, or even go into like the corporate route. I mean, there's a lot of corporate jobs out there that would probably benefit, you know, a veterinarian that has an MBA. But I do think asking for help, I mean, there's a ton of bankers and uh, CPAs and lawyers that specialize in vet med. So I think there's ways to find help to fill those gaps for you know, needed information, if you will. So I mean, I was you, just curious about the MBA. You and I have identified a lot of resources just through podcasts and books that we'll mm-hmm. be sharing along the mm-hmm. way uh, that have certainly helped us with our journey. So I do think that's important. Uh, on the overall asking for help side of things, do you think a majority of vet students, because they had to fight so hard to get where they are, it they think they consider it like weak if they ask for help? Or why do you think it's hard for us a lot of times? It, I don't know if it's weak. I think maybe – I think it's a potentially a personality thing. Like I look at a lot of the vet students that, that you're around when you travel and stuff like that, and I feel like a majority – not majority. There's quite a few that maybe are introverts, so they don't know how to engage or ask those questions, right? I mean maybe they went into vet medicine because they kind of like you know just working with animals and thinking they don't have to deal with people as much. But maybe the aspect of just being an introvert and not really knowing how to ask is probably more than those that are scared, I guess. On that note, at AVMA, I'll be talking about networking as an introvert if you want to come listen to that talk. (laughs) And you are not an introvert. I am not. I am an extrovert times 1,000. And so I think that I have to recognize that it's actually hard for some people to get out of their comfort zone and to ask for help. And and I have to identify that in people and young veterinarians that I mentor and work with uh, because I want them to be comfortable, right, in the situation. And they might not be comfortable in a huge room talking about their feelings, but one-on-one over coffee, you know, is more ideal for them. So I do think that's important. Uh, I actually, there was something that you just said that made me want to add another thing to the five things I wish I had known. Now I'm going to be mad about it. Anyways, number five is that you have to over-communicate your needs. Yes. So in general, that would be with you as my partner. I think also in class with people that you are doing team things with, you know, when you're having projects together, when you're studying with people, kind of what you need to be supported to get through those moments. Uh, I would say my friend group was a work hard, play hard group play hard play hard <laughs> yes. a fair amount of people wondered how we graduated great, vet school. great guys and girls we actually 
we have a lot of really successful people from our friend yes. group in this industry because a lot of us were extroverted and really enjoyed being out there and, and talking and communicating, which is the hard part of veterinary medicine when you get out. Uh, but I do think that with you and I, we kind of had an idea of what it would be like and we got married, but there was definitely moments where you had to kind of call me out and say, hey, I need more from you at this moment. Or I had to say, hey, I don't have anything else to give right now. Like I, And I still have those moments, I think, working in the ER sometimes. But I had to learn to say, I can't talk right now or yeah. I'm completely worn out mentally and emotionally. Do you think that's accurate? I think it's very accurate. And I think I think we were looking at the five things we you wish you would have known in vet school. Um, this is for somebody that's not necessarily even married, right? I mean, they could be dating. But you have to be willing to over-communicate at this point during vet school or I think a negative relationship could affect your ability to learn and grow while you're in vet school. And again, I'm not a, I wasn't a student or a vet student, but I could see where if you're having negative uh, relationships, how that would affect your ability to gain knowledge while in vet school. Focus. Kind of distract you, yeah. Yeah. I do think knowing someone was in my corner, no matter what, and someone wasn't going to judge me if I didn't do well on a test and someone was going to, you know, help me and even just like stock the fridge and be there, you know, when I needed them was a huge sense of relief. And that is an important point that finding your support group and network, if you don't have a partner, right, or you're not married in vet school, finding other people that will help and support you is really, really important to your success. And even over communicating with other students, right? Like, hey, I'm struggling a little bit. Right. Can you help me? You know, or um, I really needed some time away to, to go do something, you know, just communicating that I think is going to be very important. There was actually some people I knew that uh, talked all the time about grades. I mean, after every test, you know, I got this, uh, what was, what'd you put for this answer? Like before anybody else, like, you know, had their grades and we knew how everyone ended up. And I had such anxiety coming out of the test and like listening to them because I'm like, oh, I, I put something different. Or I, so I had to learn to say, you know, I'm not going to talk about the test. Like, I'm not going to talk about my grades because for me, it was not healthy for me to do that. Uh, but my friends were super understanding. And honestly, most of them were not the ones that were doing it a ton. Uh, but I do think recognizing those things and saying this is what I really need in this moment is important. And, and doing it in the moment and not waiting until you crash and burn, which is something veterinarians are really bad about doing. Yeah, Burnout is huge. We're trying to avoid that. Yes. Anything else about that school that you would like to share? I think you have to embrace that time, right? Whether it's you as the vet student or the partner, it's a very unique, special time. You need to embrace that. Don't, you know, don't just think past it or I can't wait till we get done with this. We're going to go here and practice medicine. Embrace that time because it's, you know, you'll never get that back. We had a lot of good times, a lot of good social networks, a lot of, uh, growing as a couple mm -hmm. during that time and some people say they hated their vet school experience i think because and i hate that i hate to hear that i do too i mean there, there may be a trans like a, a huge correlation to burnout in bed med if you had a terrible experience in vet school 
That's actually interesting. I don't know. I would research that. I would like to just make sure everyone's aware. I'm sure they are by now, but we are one, not couples therapists and two, not (laughs) specialists in (laughs) any of these things. Yeah. Take advice at your own risk. (laughs) We are sharing our own experiences and hoping that people can take away from that. So five things we wish we had known before vet school. One, that the debt can be crushing and the debt to income ratio honestly just sucks. Uh, Two, that grades really don't matter that much unless you're looking to specialize or be an intern. Three, that there are international AVMA accredited vet schools. So if you want to explore and travel as a vet student, that's a great opportunity for you. Uh, Four, asking for help is really important, whether it's in classes, whether it's your career path, reach out network that will make a big difference and five over communicate your needs with your partner with your friends with the people that are around you so you have a better more supportive experience in vet school and you don't isolate yourself i think that's one of the worst things you can do in this industry yes we need to support each other so hopefully you enjoyed these tips and tricks um we are going to ask that if you get a chance to review us, that'd be great on whatever platform you're listening on. If you want to like, share, uh, save this podcast, share it with a friend uh, who's in vet school, that would be awesome. Pre-vet students. Oh, pre-vet students. You know, I actually have some parents reach out to me and say, my kid wants to be a vet. What can I do? And so that's another reason why that felt like- Have your kid reach out. (laughs) Okay. We can get into that another day. The generational (laughs) The hovering parents. I mean, Oh, gosh. Listen- like I know. Tamp down the judgment. All right. All right. We're here to, to teach and support people. Support and love. But thank you guys so much for listening. If you have questions, make sure to drop them in our social media handles at doctor.tanasia.crocker. Shane doesn't even know his, so we're not going to go there. It's an adventure. And then uh, come, my come website, drcrockerpetvet.com, <laughs> is where you can also send us some questions. But you guys have a great day, and uh, hopefully vet school is going well for you. <laughs>